Welcome to the 149th installment of Ear to the Ground, the Land Stewardship Project's audio podcast on family farming, sustainable agriculture, local food systems, and local democracy. I'm Brian DeVore, editor of the Land Stewardship Letter. After Mike and Linda Ryle graduated from the Land Stewardship Project's Farm Beginnings course, they started easing themselves into pasture-based livestock production by raising a few hundred meat chickens for local consumers. It's a good thing they took a go-slow approach. Problems with the feed ration caused the bird's rate of gain to plummet, severely cutting into profits that first year. No doubt about it, that feed issue was a significant stumble during their first serious foray into farming. But because of the Ryles' conservative approach, it didn't become the kind of disaster a budding business cannot recover from. Besides figuring out what kind of feed rations to avoid, the Wilmot, South Dakota farmers also learned that there's a good market for locally produced meat and that chickens and other livestock can do well on their farm's rotationally grazed pastures. This has provided them the confidence to further pursue their goals of producing not just chickens but also beef cattle for local consumer markets. Mike and Linda, who are in their mid-40s, are slowly growing their beef herd while they both bring in income from other jobs. Mike runs an on-farm engine repair shop, and Linda drives a school bus. Their oldest son, Tyler, has recently joined the operation and is interested in farming full-time. I recently visited the Ryle Farm on the west side of Big Stone Lake on the Minnesota-South Dakota border. Mike chatted with me about the importance of taking a methodical approach to launching a farm business. He also talked about the challenges of marketing grass-based meat in an area far from major urban markets and how the networks and planning skills they developed through the Farm Beginnings course, have given them the confidence to pursue their farming dream. You guys have slowly kind of worked into farming. You you took the Farm Dreams class to kind of get an idea of maybe what you needed to do to set up a plan and then took Farm Beginnings. And one of the things you talked about was it's you're really trying to maybe take a go-slow approach. And I think the term you used was you're kind of in that experiment slash making mistakes stage, or I, I can't remember, but talk a little bit about that, how that's an important stage, because when you something does happen, um, and I know you had, had some, some glitches there, then it's not like this major put-you-out-of-house-and-home kind of thing. I think that's an important important lesson there. Uh, we're starting our, our cattle herd small, deciding on what size of cattle is going to work best for us and the rotational grazing is something completely new to us um, so we're just starting with a few acres uh, that we want to do this summer and kind of learn out learn how that works you know be experimenting with the water systems and and the different grass mixes uh, just kind of decide what to figure out what works best for us on a small scale um, before we expand that as we we found out with our chickens uh, that we raised last summer it's Things do go wrong, and it's it's good to figure out those things uh, on the smaller scale. The starter feed uh, we discovered actually had too much flax in it. It was a purchased, ready-made feed, um, so it wasn't something we mixed up. But they had uh, recently put to, started putting more flax into this feed, and it ended up being too much, and the chicks weren't able to digest it, and they ended up with a vitamin E deficiency. And through some phone calls through the hatchery and talking to a state vet, and he felt that it was a vitamin E deficiency, and we started giving them vitamins. And uh, we came out of it. Uh, they, most of them recovered, and then uh, we talked to the feed company and you know discovered that the, the flax was the, the cause of it all. So we got to the root of the problem, but uh, it, at the same time it set the chickens back when we processed them. Uh, they were much lighter 
than we had wanted them to be. And because of the scheduling of the processing plant, uh, we weren't able to just keep them an extra couple weeks. You know, we had to stick with that processing date. That brought our cost per pound up considerably, which resulted in more expensive chickens to the customer. We're selling them. We're not selling them as quickly as we had hoped we would. And uh, we had some that were locked in at a price. And uh, even though the buyer of those uh, adjusted his price a little bit to help us out, it still basically was covering our costs rather than making a profit. So The one other thing you guys are, are trying to do is bring your son Tyler into the operation. It seems like with... Uh, you guys keeping your wrists low and maybe he went and did a two-year degree in farm production and so he's getting a little bit of background that that's a way also to kind of bring him him in kind of gradually a little bit yeah he's he's going to be growing faster than us I think I, I see him probably taking off more where we have to hold back and be careful but uh, yeah it's, uh, he's experimenting along with us and we're trying to show him on a smaller scale that this works most of his exposure is just conventional farming and and uh, we'd like to be able to show him there's alternatives to that that, that do work and are profitable. And one of the issues I think you talked about that you're kind of a little concerned about is you're pretty far out here as far as being away from major markets. And have you thought about how maybe you could, because you want to do the grass-fed beef, you want to go more into that, and eventually have kind of a grass-based farm. Have you thought about how to to kind of grapple with that marketing situation and and, and try to to uh, have a, a ready-made market for for what you're producing? That's kind of another part of growing slow. Hopefully, we can develop that market as we grow. We have quite a few contacts around the cities from when we lived in the Twin Cities, uh, so we have you know a little bit of a market. We we have enough market to cover our initial product that we'll have. The, the market around here seems to be growing. There seems to be more interest in it. And I really hope that we're able to show people that this is a good product and uh, develop interest that way as they, they see it. It's not just something they're hearing about that people are doing somewhere else. Uh, you know, We want to do it right the first time and uh, give people a good product that they hopefully will get excited about as well. Uh, now that you're on the ground farming, what's what's the main... I guess main thing you you feel like you got out of farm beginnings um, and the farm dreams class that you took before that. Uh, what was the main thing that's been useful for you down the line? The networking has been huge. Different people helping with marketing, uh, contacts for grazing, cattle select, breed breed selections. You know we had opportunities to see some different breeds. You know knew who to talk to about that. But the planning, uh, the importance of planning is is really huge. They take you through some exercises that uh, aren't a whole lot of fun they make you think hard and a lot of it uh, doesn't necessarily paint a pretty picture you think you kind of have it have an idea how things are going to go and you put it down on paper and it looks like maybe that's not such a good idea and it makes you think realistically you know about the money side of things and it's good to figure that out before you jump in too far For more information on LSP's Farm Beginnings program, see www.farmbeginnings.org. There, under the Meet Our Graduates section, you can read a recent land stewardship letter profile of Mike and Linda Ryle. 
If you have comments or suggestions about this podcast, contact Brian DeVore at bdevore at landstewardshipproject.org or you can call 612-722-6377. Thanks to Laura Borgendale, Western Minnesota musician, for Ear to the Ground's theme music. And a special thank you to all of Land Stewardship Project's members who make initiatives such as this podcast possible. If you're not a member, visit landstewardshipproject.org to learn how you can support LSP. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.